0: Hi, I'm Elizabeth Pisani, and I have the honor of having an Art of Medicine essay published in The Nazis this week about a slightly mad attempt to try and turn disease into music called Song of Contagion.
1: Turn the corner into Cable Street and a sharp breeze from. We are indeed honored to talk to you and it's nice to do something different with the podcast this week and you're going to hear some lovely music as you've just heard in the intro just to say that the music you're hearing is not necessarily what is going to be in the show that we're discussing but it gives you a flavour of the orchestra and the musical brains behind what we're going to discuss. But Elizabeth, first of all, what is this turning disease into music? You're a scientist, not a musician. I am
0: definitely not a musical brain, but I'm very interested in communicating science and communicating particularly statistics. And we do that very, very well writing learned essays in The Lancet, for example, or giving slightly turgid PowerPoint presentations at conferences. But we're less good sometimes at uh, communicating with a public that's not already engaged with the subjects that we're talking about. One of the things that I'm interested in is the mismatch between the amount of death, disease, misery that's caused by a given pathogen and the amount of attention that that disease gets. You'd like to think that the things that cause most human misery around the world are the ones that get most research funding and most attention, but that's decidedly not the case. I can, again, explain that in a beautiful presentation or in a paper in The Lancet, but could we explain it to a different audience using a completely different language? And I thought, knowing nothing about music, well, how about the language of music? Could you play diseases so that people could hear the difference between different diseases and the things that affect our decision-making about them?
1: Okay, let's just um, pare this down a little bit. We're talking about this, this musical offering that's taking place, consecutive nights from June the 13th through to June the 17th at Wilton's Music Hall, this fabulous restored Victorian Music Hall in the East End of London. And it's called Song of Contagion. Just give me a flavour as to what it's going to be like.
0: orchestra okay. That's translating these diseases. In this music is very East London. There are natives from all the major musical traditions in the world who have come together into this fabulous Grand Union Orchestra. <laughs> So Tony Haynes does a really good job of using those different musical traditions to tell a story. So, for example, one of the things that I would like to to focus on is the effect that press coverage can have on how important we think a disease is. So we're going to look at the difference between Zika, which everyone's heard about, and dengue, which very few people have heard about. Zika has had a tragic effect for around four or 5,000 families in the world ever. It creates microcephaly, which means that infants are born with abnormally small heads. Dengue kills between ten and 20,000 people every year and puts between half a million and a million in hospital every year, and yet no one's ever heard of it. And that's because it doesn't give us front page photographs, and it didn't happen to hit our radar screens at the same time as the Olympics. Everyone was going to Brazil. Everyone's excited about going to Brazil. And now there's this thing which has come up there. Will we all get infected? Will we bring it home? How scary is that? So you had this media hysteria around Zika, but never around dengue. Now, interestingly... Both of those are diseases that are carried by the same mosquito. They both originated probably in Central Africa. They both made their way through the Caribbean and into Latin America. And so what Tony's done is he started, he starts with a Congolese singer actually, singing about the mosquito and then he transforms the music through Caribbean music using steel pans and etc and eventually to Brazilian sambas and as he makes that transition the music becomes more and more vivid and more and more hysterical reflecting more and more press coverage of zika certainly the original idea was to match epidemiological parameters directly onto musical parameters. In fact, it's been an interesting process because the composer, Tony Haynes, quite rightly said, yeah, you know, we could do that but it would sound ghastly. Right. And in the end, we want it to be a great show with great music and I was great going to out. say,
1: yes, exactly. It's all very well having this great idea and coming along with ideas like, you know, funding for a disease is represented by volume, but actually, creatively, musically, it's got to make sense, hasn't it? Because you want exactly. an audience to have a great night out, as you've just said.
0: And in a way, it's been a huge advantage that I know nothing about music because I can't meddle with it. <laughs> in the end, what we've got is something that's much more of a now. Narrative storytelling. Having said that, I think that Tony has been true to the basic idea of matching musical parameters to what's going on in the story. So, for example, we've got a song about cholera. The first song is about cholera, and we look at what happened in London and in Calcutta in the mid 1830s. So, the first case in London was in 1833. It was probably imported by a returning colonial soldier, ironically enough. And then, suddenly, a year later, there's 20,000 dead in the UK. So, we have this complete cacophony of Victorian music. But as Britain responds, and as it gets itself together uh, to start to understand what's going on, and eventually to put in drains, cholera dies out. Now, Tony represents that with increasing harmony. So the harmony represents the infrastructure of public health. So he brings the music into harmony, that represents the building of the drains, and in the end, the British music dies out because cholera dies out. But the Indian music never gets into harmony because that investment in basic infrastructure was never made, and it continues. And in fact, it gets brought up to date by turning into Bangor rhythms, which is more modern and contemporary Indian music to show that it's still going on to this day.
1: Tell us about why you're doing it, because... Goes back to what you said at the beginning. Your thing is engagement, isn't it? Public engagement with concepts like global health funding that are normally reserved for pages of journals like The Lancet. But it's taking it out of yes, we're of course publishing your essay in The Lancet. But what we're talking about is this musical extravaganza, which is going out to a different audience, and that's the point of this, isn't it? That's
0: right. And I think that one of the interesting things about something like this is, first of all, it works both ways as an engagement thing because it's made me as the scientist think. A lot harder about exactly what it is that causes bad decision making in global health. Because when you go through the discipline of working with a different discipline from your own, you can't fall back on all those old tropes and all the jargon of your trade. You have to explain things in a different language. And the process of doing that sometimes makes you clarify your own thinking. So it's been a useful thing for me. But I also think that it's a useful thing to get people who would not necessarily be thinking about public health or global health at all, suddenly thinking, you know, they're coming to see a great show, they're coming to see the Grand Union Orchestra, who are, you know, fantastic and and good fun. And then the show is about this thing that maybe they haven't thought that much about, and maybe they'll start thinking about. We're not trying to pass a message. You know, it's it's not awareness raising in, in a sort of heavy handed way. We're just trying to express our ideas in a different language that then might encourage people who speak that language to think a bit about the things that we think about.
1: And intriguingly, you talk about interference in global health processes right at the end of your essay. What do you mean by that?
0: Well, what I mean is that we, we're aware. I mean, it, it's funny because as an epidemiologist, as a researcher, you go on and on about evidence-based science and we go on and on about you know, generating the, the evidence and then we publish in journals and then nothing happens in practice and we can't quite understand why our brilliant scientific evidence isn't translating directly into policy. Well, we know there are all these other things that get in the way. We know that the press coverage is a factor. We know that pharmaceutical company lobbying or food industry lobbying or tobacco industry lobbying is a factor. We know that patient activism can swing things one way or another, but we don't actually think in very structured ways about the way those things interact. And what I've tried to do, what I've been thinking about for a long time, is trying to really parse out the way those things interact. And hopefully, by understanding better how those things interact, we'll be better able to predict the interferences uh, between the the scientific data and the policy outcomes and maybe even interfere to manipulate them in the ways that we think are more consistent with the scientific evidence.
1: And we should mention sponsorship here because the Wellcome Trust have been involved, haven't they?
0: It's a miracle to me. When I first had this idea, I was like, yeah, crazy. But the problem with musicians, of course, is that they need to be fed (laughs) they need to be paid and how would you pay for something like this crazy thing of putting on a show that's about this we went to the welcome trust who are very keen to support scientists in thinking about different ways to engage with different publics and who are also great supporters of artistic ways of of thinking about science and health and well-being in in society and they very kindly gave us some support to pay for musicians and put this on stage.
1: Song of Contagion is happening from Tuesday, June the 13th through to Saturday, June the 17th, four consecutive evenings at Wilton's Music Hall in the East End of London. Elizabeth, many thanks for joining us. And just a final thing, there's something about a cholera walk happening on the Saturday.
0: That's right. It happens that Wilton's Music Hall, besides being just off the infamous Cable Street, is within a stone's throw of the last outbreak of cholera, the 1866 outbreak of cholera in London. And so there's a wonderful London historian and blue badge guide, Sophie Campbell, is going to be leading a walk uh, around East London, starting, I believe, in Tower Hamlet Cemetery, where some victims of cholera are buried, and taking us around some of the wonderful Victorian sanitary works, uh, pumping stations, etc., that eventually brought an end to cholera, but also describing some of the slum living and con- life conditions uh, in the East End in the 19th century. So that'll be on Saturday afternoon just before the evening
1: show. Elizabeth Pisani, many thanks indeed for talking to The Lancet. Thank you. Let's go out now by listening to Tony Haynes and the Grand Union Orchestra.